Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Turn if you had to mark the fourth chapter, you know that we've been doing a series on the parable of the sower, and sometimes I think in our minds, we go, oh no, he's teaching that again. But you know, when you, when you really understand the importance of this parable, and that you, the, the, the life that you have, and the, uh, the life that you have, and the quality of life that you uh, would desire to have, it's all found in this parable, the parable of the sower. We call this series the parable of seed time and harvest, because the kingdom of God operates on... Uh, two spiritual laws, the law of seed time and the law of harvest. Excuse me, the law of Genesis and the law of seed time and harvest. The law of Genesis, simply everything produces after its own kind. And so if we... If there's a consistent pattern of, uh, let's just say, if we had a consistent pattern of, of, uh, of, uh, of a... Um uh, our attitude or how we act or how we talk, and it was contrary to the Word of God, and then we are harvesting that. We're wondering, why are we harvesting that? Because we didn't change it. We kept planting the same seeds. Amen. And I don't know about you, but you know, all of us have had opportunities to, and we'll talk about this, plant all different kinds of negative seeds, and then we wonder why we have a negative harvest. And so God wants us to learn these truths so we can walk in his very best. And most importantly, uh, we talked about this earlier, that um, we, the most important thing we want in our lives is we want to reflect the image of, and likeness of God in the earth. Can I have an amen? And I think most importantly, uh, to practice that is in our homes and then out from there. So anyway, everything that God ever willed came to fruition through the law of Genesis and the law of seed time and harvest. In fact, in the face of dire darkness and chaotic mass, that's what the Bible says Genesis 1, 2 was, and we don't want to get into this, but Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth, and verse 2, there was a tremendous attack upon the earth where darkness covered the earth, chaos, uh, it, it was a mess. And so God, what did he do? It's, uh, in the midst of all that, he didn't talk about the darkness, he, he spoke what he wanted. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Can I have an amen? He understood that his word does not return to him vo- unto him void, but it goes forth and accomplishes that which he pleases. And so we should be smart enough to say, if we want a harvest of good in our lives, then we've got to make sure that we're speaking life and not death, blessing and not cursing. If you agree, say amen to that. So we learn. We come to church so we learn, so when we leave, we can apply these things to our lives. So now uh, we know in Mark, the fourth chapter, verse 14, well, we know that the farmer scattered seed. Uh, uh, the verse, first uh, few verses of Mark, the fourth chapter, we won't have time to read that. We've already read that, but we know that he scattered his seed upon four. First of all, he scattered his, the farmer scattered seed upon his field. It wasn't four different fields. It was one field, but, that, but it landed upon four different environments of soil. Uh, there was nothing wrong with the soil. What the problem was with the environment to which the seed was sown. Okay, and it was sown on four uh, types of ground. Good ground, uh, excuse me, um, hard ground, stony ground, thorny or weed infested ground, and then good ground. So out of, out of all that, the first three, there was no harvest at all in his life. Okay, <laughs> in his, to me, uh, he's, he's failing as a farmer up till that point. 
until all of a sudden that seed, some of that seed fell in good ground. So there was nothing wrong with the seed and there was nothing wrong with the ground, but it was the environment to which that seed fell. Amen? And so we'll look at more of this as we go on. Um, uh, the word of God is, it, let me just say that the message of Christ is the word of God. Or the word of God is the message of Christ. What, what does that mean? It's his, the word of God reveals the redemptive love of God so that he paid the highest price that heaven could offer. That is his son so that he could redeem all sinners back to himself. If you agree, say amen to that. That is what is called the gospel. Good news is what the gospel is, okay? And so out of this parable, we, even Jesus knew that to harvest the redeeming work of God, it was going to take a lot of effort, a lot of time. Can you imagine, you know, we always get kind of in a hurry, but God took 4,000 years. He, he allowed that span of time to get his, the redeemer into the earth, 4,000 years. Tell me he's not a patient God. Amen. And of course, he did that through the law of seed time and harvest. All right. Let's read verse 15 in uh, and, and Mark, the fourth chapter. I'll get there. And uh, we'll read verse 15. Uh, well, read 14. says, The sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Amen. So, First of all, we have the first type of ground was hard ground. Amen. The King James says wayside. The word wayside simply in the Greek means the side of a well-traveled road. Or we could call it the shoulder. Okay? It's where, you know, uh, people, they have a shoulder for a reason. It's if you get in car trouble, you can pull off the main road so you don't get hit. Can I have an amen? So that's the place where, where it gets compacted. It never, it never gets, it, it's never in the field. It's alongside the field. And it, it gets packed and hard and therefore impenetrable. In fact, uh, in fact, the word hardness means that. It means impenetrable, inflexible, unchangeable, and unbendable. So in that environment, Satan has, uh, he uses little effort to steal the word uh, out of that person's heart. Why? Because he didn't prepare himself to, to hear. That's why, again, I, I say that we talked about, remember, prepare you the way of the Lord. In fact, there was, I had got the prophecy that I spoke on Sunday. I brought it out here maybe to read it at the end. But preparation is so important. Preparation um, uh, the, uh, we just provide music, hopefully, to, so that you can get prepared to hear from heaven and receive from God. Amen. Otherwise, no, you come to church. You might as well stay home if you're not going to get what you need uh, uh, in that service. And um, so preparation is important. Uh, you come to church with a heart of reverence, a heart of humility, a heart of brokenness. You know, I was on the, uh, I, I was, um, playing pickleball the other morning, and, and, and I asked a gentleman what he did. And he said, well, I, I care for the, um, oh, you know, people that are um, uh, several palsy and things like that. And, and I just said to him, I said, isn't that something? I said, every one of us are broken in some areas of our lives. And, and we just have to simply uh, uh, accept the fact that we are, that we're all broken and in need of fixing. Sometimes we're broken worse than other times. <clears throat> so that's why we come. 
We don't come here because we have it together. We come hoping to get fixed so, we can, so that we can do a better job of, of reflecting God's presence in our lives. If you agree to that, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Verse 14 says this. The farmer plants seed. This is the New Living Translation. The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. That's what it's all about. He's taking God's word to others. Now, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, but only to have Satan come at once and take it away. Again, only because there was no preparation on the part of this listener. He heard, but it didn't profit him at all. Now, the children of Israel, and we're going to go to this for a moment. The children of Israel, remember their journey? Well, first of all, how Moses, who is a type of Christ, delivered them out of Egypt, which is the type of the world, and out of the stronghold of Pharaoh, who is a type of Satan. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, he brought them out of Egypt, and their destiny was a promised land. God had promised them a place, a destiny. Okay? And all they had to do, all they had to do is maintain their faith in God, trusting God, not trusting the man of God. I mean, what a, what, a, what a weight to carry. Moses leading three million people out of slavery, and they're going to, they're going to a place. But to get there, it would be a tremendous test on the hearts of God's people that they would maintain their faith in God, that they would remember. How, remember. how many here remember how powerful your deliverance was out of this world into God's kingdom? Do you remember? Some of, I remember very well. So because of that, because of that supernatural experience, it carries me each and every day. Praise God. I never, ever take it for granted of how good God was to me in delivering me from the snares of the devil. Hallelujah. So their deliverance was supernatural. However, on, listen to this, on their journey to the promised land, it required total allegiance. It required faith and obedience on their part. But instead of trusting God, you know, you can read it in Numbers, the 14th chapter, they begin to murmur. And that murmuring was like a cancer, it was like COVID. It spread, it spread so quickly over all the congregation, that murmuring and complaining. And to the point where those tender, grateful, faith-filled hearts became obstinate and hardened to the voice of God. And it literally stopped them from their forward progress. And three million church members didn't get to their destiny when God had planned for them. Now we know, don't want to get, I'll just, I'll be technical here. Everybody from 20 years and under, God didn't hold them accountable for that. But everybody above that died. So I don't know how many it was. All I know is, you know, that second generation uh, by the leadership of Joshua made it in. But just stop and think about it. When they came out of Egypt, they had, these, they had these tender, pliable hearts, all excited, praise God, because how God so displayed his glory to get them out. But because they just didn't shut their mouths and stay, stay in faith and obedience, their hearts became hard and obstinate against the, the uh, voice of God. And, uh, and they said, here's what they said, 
we would rather die, go back to Egypt, or we'd rather die in Egypt, uh, in the wilderness than to, than to be where we're at. And of course they did. They, did, they got exactly what they, that they confessed. Bilbo was sad about that. They just didn't die immediately. It took 40 years for them to die. 40 years. So it wasn't an immediate death. A lot easier it meant an immediate death. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like us, you know. What, what kind of journey are we going to have between now and the time that Jesus comes? Amen. So anyway... In 2 Chronicles 30, now this is many years later, God is speaking now to the second generation of believers. And here's what he said. This is 2 Chronicles 30, verse 8. Now ye be not stiff-necked. Now be ye not stiff-necked as your fathers were. So now he's warning them. Don't repeat what your fathers did. The Bible says... But yield yourselves unto the Lord and enter into his sanctuary, which he hath sanctified forever, and serve the Lord your God, that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. He's warning them, don't become stiff-necked. How many have ever heard the phrase hard-headed? Hard-headed. People who are hard-headed simply means they're so stubborn they won't change. And hard-headed and hard-hearted go hand in hand. You become so determined that you're not going to bless God. I ain't going to let go of that. I'm not going to let go until they apologize or whatever, whatever it is, you know. And you're just so obstinate about it. You're so stubborn about it that even God can't get your attention. Isn't the human will powerful? Just like the Lord said to me that day, I ministered to the alcoholic down in Florida. And um, I said, you've got one thing that's more powerful than God himself. It's your will. How many want a great journey on your way to the promised land? Amen. Amen. Then we have to keep our faith in, in obedience to God. Proverbs 29 verse 1 says this. A man who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. The message Bible says, for people who hate discipline and only get more stubborn, there will come a day when life tumbles in and they break. But by then it will be too late to help them. And again, I've said this through the years, when Satan attacks your life, he's after your seed. So your stubbornness will get on them. Can anybody relate to what I'm saying tonight? The stubbornness of humanity. Amen. All right. All babies born of this world, talking about natural babies, they all have soft, tender, and pliable hearts. In fact, we read this last week. They're born with these divine qualities in Matthew 18. They're trusting, they're lowly, they're loving and forgiving. And we can either preserve them and build on those and make them stronger, or we can break them down by how we live as Christians. If we live careless, right? If we live careless, you know, and we're not thinking that our lives mirror back to them who God is. That's why a lot of times we have, as as, especially as men, we have, a lot of times we have a challenge trusting God because our, our fathers let us down. But our heavenly father isn't that way. He's not that way. He's not going to let you down. The Bible says in Jeremiah, if you trust me in the arm of the flesh, you'll be cursed. If you put your hope in man, you're going to be disappointed. You got to keep your hope in God. And then he'll bless your life. I said he'll bless your life. 
I don't live the Christian life because of you. I live the Christian life because of him. He paid a great price for my salvation. And it's all about him. Can I have an amen? And yet I do want to be an example to my family. So they are trusting, lowly, loving, and forgiving. However, listen to this. Over time, if they are surrounded by ongoing parental warfare, ongoing sibling rivalry, ongoing verbal abuse, ongoing broken promises, the very precious tenderness of their lives, their pliable, subservient hearts will become hard and calloused over time. And that's not what I ever wanted for my family. And today, I must say this, today my children have tender hearts. And I'm grateful for that. I said I'm grateful for that. When you become born again, you begin your spiritual life again with soft, tender, and pliable hearts. However, over a period of time, listen, how you manage the adversities and difficulties of life will determine the, not only the health of your spiritual ground, but your future as well. Right. It'll determine what kind of harvest you're going to have. Now turn to Hebrews, the third chapter. We're going to read a few things there. Look, keep looking at Israel. Why? Because it's New Testament teaching. Hebrews, the third chapter. In fact, you need to read Hebrews. It is one of the most inspiring books. Because it really does take us on a journey with the Israelites, the mistakes they made, so that we don't, so we can avoid those in our lives. Hebrews, the third chapter, God provided this account of what happened to listen the church in the wilderness. That's what Israel was called, and they were called the church in the wilderness. We are a church of believers in the wilderness. I mean, thank God we're not in the wilderness of a third world country, but we're still in a wilderness. And we're on our way to our promised land called heaven. Amen. Amen. And uh, they were doing well until they abandoned their faith in God. And again, our lives are in parallel with theirs. As we journey to the promised land, listen, God requires our faith in and our obedience to him. Can you imagine, we were talking about the other day, can you, see, the gospel is very simple. It's very simple. It's very simple. It's very simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and your neighbor as yourself. That's the gospel. So simple, but so difficult. Why? Because we have to live together. Can you imagine how wonderful it would be if we just lived alone? No, it wouldn't be good at all. That's, that's why we have to take care of this inward man and keep him tender, soft, and pliable to the convicting power of God's spirit. Amen. When I thought about all the people in the Bible who, you know, their hearts were touched, changed, affected by the word, affected by God himself. But one of the Old Testament men, I thought, who, I think of everyone in the Old Testament, he was the one that had the most tender, pliable, and soft heart, it was Joseph. Joseph was raised in a dysfunctional family, like most of us. He was raised... Um, it wasn't his fault that his daddy loved him. 
He was the seventh son and in, in his dad's old age, he just uh, really valued this young man. And guess what? His brothers hated him. And that hatred grew and grew and grew. See, they, they didn't have to go down that road, <clears throat> but they did. And um, <clears throat> when they did, they devised a plan. <clears throat> and that was to sell their brother <clears throat> to some Ishmaelites who then took him to, into Egypt. And he was sold into slavery at the age of 17 years old. Now, I want you to stop and think about. So, I think when we read stories, I don't know if we become so calloused that we don't even, we can't feel what he must have been feeling. But can you imagine 17 years old being torn away from your family, especially a father-son relationship that he had. Now, he is isolated by himself and under a, um, uh, the prison guard by the name of Potiphar. And so he's there. And then his, the, what his brothers do, think about the, the hard-heartedness, the callousness, the cruelty of them, that they take a goat and they dip uh, that color of many coats, that coat of many colors, I mean, they dip it in blood and they take it back to dad and they tell him that an animal, a beast uh, uh, killed uh, Joseph. Can you imagine such cruelty? That's what we are when we allow self to get in the way. And so, of course, you know, he, he never, if, I mean, the only relief that, um, J- it was Jacob, right? The only relief he got is when finally the, he had another son, with Benjamin. But up to that point, he was tormented in his soul. And their, their brothers were so callous, they didn't, they didn't even, didn't affect them at all. So we know the story that he went into Egypt. While he's in Egypt, you know, he, I mean, he gets, again, attacked. The, 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 the tenderness, the, the, the humility, the reverence, the subservient heart that he had was under attack. And guess what? He gets, he gets um, accused of having a moral, um, having a, a, a sexual affair with, uh, with um, Pharaoh's uh, wife. Uh, it was Pharaoh's wife, wasn't it? Was it Potiphar's wife? Sorry, I haven't read the story lately. And uh, because of that, he, I'm sure glad you guys know your Bible. Uh, because of that, you know, he gets thrown in prison. It was, yeah, I remember that now. He gets thrown in prison. And is in prison, listen to me. He was in prison for two days. No, two years. He was in prison two years. Do you hear me? Two years. In that time, two years, he's in He's not in, oh, no, no, this isn't like up here where they got flat screen TVs and workout places. No, this was, this was a bad place. And so, and think about this. There's no reason in natural that they didn't kill him except for God. And so he, is, so he walks through that, and while he's there, he has a prophecy over a, a butler or baker, and, and one lives and one dies, and... and uh, I think it was the baker that lived. Or was it a butler that lived? Should have read the story before I shared it. And, um, and so out of that situation, well, this is a good test for all of you. You'll go back and read and get it right. And so in the midst of all that, he, um, uh, he gets forgotten. He said, just remember me. Just remember me. He forgot. 
So in all this, he could have became so offended, so embittered, so hard, so calloused, uh, so critical. It never showed up in any of his attitude. He kept his heart humble, tender, and pliable to God. Is that, is that, I mean, and he wasn't even born again. So I show you that to let you know, I mean, the attacks of life are on uh, towards, I mean, with every one of us. And yet we are the stewards of this field. And we're the ones who are going to determine when the seed of God goes in there, what is in there, what is, is, your, is, your heart, is your heart going to be hard? Is it going to be stony, which we'll talk about? Is it going to be weed infested or is it going to be good? And that's up to us on a daily basis. If you agree, say amen to these things. Hmm. <clears throat> Hebrews 2. <clears throat> At this time in church history, believers were being beaten. When, now remember this. We're going to read this part, but... When this was being written, Hebrews, the second chapter, believers were being beaten, persecuted, imprisoned, and put to death. I just want you to catch that. Okay. So it was a hard time for the church. So let's read this. Now, since we, God's children, are human beings, made of flesh and blood, he, that's Christ, became flesh and blood, too, by being born in human form. For only as a human being could he die and in dying, break the power of the devil. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Who had, doesn't have it anymore, who had the power of death. Only in that way could he deliver those who through fear of death have been living all their lives as slaves to constant dread. So even the believers were concerned about the hereafter. Uh, you know, they, uh, in the Old Testament, they rarely talked about the hereafter. It was, uh, it was almost absent. And so they were uncertain regarding what happens if we die. You know what I'm saying? And um, so let's go on. So it was necessary for Jesus to be like us, his brothers, so that he could be our merciful, watch this, and faithful high priest. Amen. Did you get that? Thank you, brother. You're the only one that got it. Jesus is our, our faithful high priest. Did you hear that? See, in the Old Testament, they had to have a high priest. Remember Aaron? He was the high priest. They had to have a high priest that would go into the Holy of Holies with the blood of animals to sprinkle upon the mercy seat so that the Israel's sins could be covered and they could be graced with favor again. Can I have an amen? Amen. And so we have this high priest. He's just not a high, he's just not any high priest. He is God himself. He's the high priest of our confession. Praise God, so that we can enter into the Holy of Holies and obtain favor with God no matter what. Come on, yeah, give God praise for that. We have a high priest, a faithful high priest. He's a good high priest, loving high priest. Again, please uh, listen to me. I've said it so many times, but when I go to God, I always go to God. He don't need reminding, but I do. When I go to God, I imagine in my mind, because it's so, that Jesus, my high priest, is seated at his right hand. He is the mediator between me and the Father, and he is my advocate. He's my legal counsel between me and the Father. Hallelujah. It is good. So why? Because if you know that, 
you will never hesitate about going into his presence no matter what you've done, no matter how you've acted, no matter what you've said. You can go in with reverence and worship and praise and thanksgiving and call out to God for mercy because he is a merciful high priest. That's what Jesus is to us. We just get in trouble when we don't. He's such a good God. He's, we have a merciful and faithful high priest before God, a priest who would be both merciful to us and faithful to God. Merciful to us and faithful to God in dealing with the sins of the people. For since he himself has now been through suffering and temptation, he knows what it's like when we suffer and are tempted, and he is wonderfully able to help us. Hallelujah. Yes, as long as we keep a soft, tender, pliable heart before him. That's why I told you, and I don't, again, I always don't mean, when, when I say I repent uh, before God on a daily basis, I do. It's not because I'm, you know, I'm not because I'm just all the, I, I'm sinning all the big sins. No, it's just my attitude. Something I've said, something I've thought, you know, meditated on, and just, I, I'm always checking my heart in, in, in repenting before him. Uh, why? Because I want to maintain a right standing with him as much as possible. And I know I have that in Christ, but everything is about the heart. Everything is about the, the attitude of what is going on on the inside of you. Whether we like it or not, we live in these stupid, sinful, frail, carnal, worldly bodies. And so, praise God, we need help. <laughs> or maybe I just do. Hallelujah. God is so good. Then the Holy Spirit continues in chapter 3. He addresses the hardness of Israel's heart as they journey through the wilderness with a warning to us that we avoid the same inward hardness. Let's read. Therefore, dear brothers, sisters, whom God has set apart for himself, you who are chosen for heaven, I want you to think about this Jesus who is God's messenger and the high priest of our faith. For Jesus was faithful to God, who appointed him high priest, just as Moses also faithfully served in God's house. But Jesus has far more glory than Moses, just as a man who builds a fine house gets more praise than his house does. Everybody say amen to that? And many people can build houses, but only God made everything well. Moses did a fine job working in God's house, but he was only a servant. And his work was mostly to illustrate and suggest those things or those spiritual things that would happen later on. But Christ, watch this, God's faithful son is in complete charge of God's house. And we Christians are God's house. He lives in us. Watch this. If, if we keep up our courage firm to the end, end of what? Our spiritual journey. Because we're in a wilderness heading for heaven. And our joy and our trust in the Lord. And since Christ is so much superior, the Holy Spirit warns us. He warns us to listen to him and to be careful to hear his voice today. Today. Every day God has something to say to you. Every day the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. He wants to get your attention. He wants to say something to you. Every day he wants to communicate with you. But you have to give him that space. 
I've told you the last couple of years, I've been practicing that. Every day I practice listening to the Holy Spirit. Every time I hear him, I praise, I say, thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing that. Sir, thank you. Even this morning, I was three or four times, I, I, sir, thank you. Thank you for reminding me of that. Sir, thank Oh, yeah, I got that. Thank you, sir. How many want that kind of reliance on the, do you want that for your life? And you may say, oh, that's your own conscience. Yeah, maybe. But as a Norwegian, Norwegian, I need all the help I can get. How many have ever, how many have ever taken off and did something and you forgot something at home, but, but, and you're like, ah, I forgot that. Anybody been that way? Well, if you'd listened to the Holy Ghost, he'd have told you. Hey, why don't you grab that before you leave? See, we over-spiritualize everything when he just wants to be involved in every little aspect of your life. How many ever lost your keys? And then you find you said, Lord, where are they? And he tells you where they are. Have you ever happened lately? Well, praise God for that. I mean, he's not our slave. He's not our servant. But he sure wants to be part of our lives. Amen. Walking in the favor of God. I sing that a lot. Amen. And I don't say, it. I believe that. And not because I'm something, but he honors my faith. He just honors my faith. Praise God. I got to sing more of that when I'm playing pickleball because it sure, oof, that's a tough game. Walking in the favor of God. No, I'm not going to sing. I'm going to continue. <laughs> uh, you like that, huh, Joe? Watch this. But, oh, this is good. Not let your hearts become set against him. Okay, let's go back up here. And since, verse 7, and since Christ is so much superior, the Holy Spirit warns us to listen to him, to be careful to hear his voice, and not let our hearts become set against him as the people of Israel did. They steeled themselves against his love and complained against him in the desert while he was testing them. But God was patient with them. How long? Forty years. Though they tried his patience sorely, he kept right on doing his mighty miracles for them to see. But God says, I was very angry with them, for their hearts were always looking somewhere else instead of up to me, and they never found the paths I wanted them to follow. Then God, full of his anger against them, bound himself with an oath that he would, uh, oath that he would never let them come to his place of rest. And they didn't. Had nothing to do with his will. Had everything to do with theirs. He says, uh, just rest. Come on, just rest in me. Rest in me. I've got a glorious land for you. It's flowing with milk and honey. Um, I'm giving you warriors to go in and conquer every city. Just stay in faith. Stay tenderhearted. Stay full of thanksgiving. Stay full of praise. Hallelujah. And go get what belongs to you. But no, they steeled themselves against his love. They wouldn't bend. Stiff-necked. Hard-hearted. Didn't start out that way the same with us all the things that are going on in the world today politically socially economically spiritually and yet in the midst of all this there's a promised rest for God's people and we're going to read we're going to read about this here in the um, in the uh, uh, next chapter no oh, I gotta wind down here verse 12 so it says beware then of your own thoughts dear brothers and sisters your own thought your own hearts, dear brothers, lest you find that they too are evil and unbelieving and are leading you away from God, from the living God. They're leading you away from the living God. 
I don't know what's going on today. And I'm not trying to be, you know, negative or anything, but um, I was talking to a couple this, uh, this morning and, uh, on the court, and they said, um, um, and they're precious, precious people, and they love the Lord, and they go to Lutheran Church, but they're as saved as I am. They love the Lord. But they said, they made the comment to me, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, Mike, they, um, it just seems like today people don't want to go to church. Well, they're seeing it. We're seeing it. And I'm preaching to the choir, so I'm not, I don't want to, you know, drag you down. But, but uh, we've never had a summer like this that has been so desolate. I mean, as far as just, and, and, and I don't know what to say. I don't have an answer. You obviously recognize the value of getting together so you can be built up and strengthened for what goes on tomorrow. I mean, you, that's why you're here tonight. So, yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I, I'm just, you know, I'm just praying, you know, I, I, I'm not, I don't have an answer. Uh, I'm praying in the sense that God would get a hold of people's hearts, but uh, they, he can't if they're hard. He can't if they're, you know, resisting the, the Holy Spirit. Let's go on. So beware of your own hearts. Watch this. Um, so that none of you will become hardened against God, being blinded by the glamour of sin. For if we are faithful to the end, again, what? Of every hard situation we're finding ourselves in. Faithful to God no matter what you're going through. Okay? Trusting God just as we did when we first became Christians, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. But now is the time. And never forget the warning. Today, if you hear God's voice speaking to you, instructing you, convicting you, uh, correcting you. Do not harden your hearts against him as the people of Israel did when they rebelled against him in the desert. And who were those people I speak of who heard God's voice speaking to them but then rebelled against them? They were the ones who came out of Egypt with Moses. They should have known better. They saw these spectacular supernatural miracles. It meant nothing to them. I had years ago, I had a precious woman who's, who, uh, she's in heaven now, but before she died, her, her husband died. And he had been fighting some physical ailments for years. And she said, Pastor, if, if God would just heal, it would be just a, such a testimony. I said, Jesus healed people right in front of people. It didn't change anything. Because if you refuse to believe, it doesn't matter what you see. Can I have an amen? So we just have to stay in faith. Stay fighting the good fight of faith, praise God. So God was grieved with those who saw all this. These same people who sinned as a result died in the wilderness. And to whom was God speaking when he swore with an oath that they could never go into the land that he had promised his people? He was speaking to all those who disobeyed him. And why couldn't they go in? Because they didn't trust him. They didn't trust him. Chapter 4, verse 1. So, so let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached to them did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. And again, we have been serving God for, Vic, Pastor Vicky and I, 52 years. So we've already 
already walked through those 40 years. Now we're on our way to 60. We're on a journey heading for our divine destiny. And the, the longer the journey, the easier it is to l- let go of all the weights that so easily beset us. All the carnal weights, all the, you know, the, the you know, things that we think are important that aren't that important. All the things we work hard to get, not realizing it's not that big a deal Amen. now that we're on the other side, so Amen. to speak, heading towards getting closer to the promised land. So we stay in faith. Right. We keep running our race. Like you. But I want to encourage you. Now, I'm going to close here. But as you read chapter 4, you'll see that God rested on the seventh day. Why? Because everything for mankind forever was provided for. Forever. So your whole future has already been provided for. You don't have to worry about a thing. Your whole future has been taken. All your whole future has been taken care of. The day that God sat down to rest, he said, everything for man is taken care of. It's the same with your life. So can a believer get a hard heart? (laughs) You can. You can get a hard heart. I mean, you can. I mean, I I deal with, you know, through the years with people who really have tough, who really are facing hard, hard times. And you can get a hard heart. I just wrote a few things down. It may come through the guise of relational tension within the family. It may come through an ongoing bitter and critical attitude. It may come through a health crisis. It may come through a job promotion that you didn't get that you deserved. Or maybe you lost a job. Maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe I had a good friend of mine. Good friend of mine. Him and his wife lived extremely conservative. Listen to this. Constre- I mean, they, they just, they were tithers, but man, they put pinched all the money together and then when they got to be maybe uh, maybe 40 they started a business and within a year it went belly up and they lost a quarter of a million dollars it i mean it just took them i mean it just took the spiritual life right out of them She's in heaven today, she's doing, uh, and I haven't seen him, though I've requested to see him. He's never wanted to see me, and I've just, my heart just breaks from him because I led both him and his wife to the Lord and their kids. But you can. You can get so broken. And all I want to tell him is that I love him, and, and God loves him, and, you know, it doesn't matter because we ain't taking nothing with us anyway. But you can. You can get a hard heart. People do you in. My goodness gracious. And you don't, I mean, it can get so hard. So I just wanted to pray for you tonight before we wind this up. And just so that we're all here to, it's like a spiritual hospital. We're all here to get diagnosed and then uh, uh, call on the healer. Call on the healer. Can I have an Amen. Is there any other scriptures I need to? Oh, I like this. Proverbs 20, you want to put that up? We'll just read it. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. 
Happy is the man who always is reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. So don't harden your heart. Can I have an amen? amen. Hebrews 10, verse 12. Plant the good seeds of righteousness and you'll reap a crop of my love. Plow the, gr- heart, plow the hard ground of your hearts. For now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower salvation upon you. Why don't you stand for a moment we'll pray together. I'll pray for anyone who's online also. I'll hope this benefited you some tonight. I, uh, it's not always, we're here to learn. <clears throat> it's kind of like, you know, those of you, uh, God bless you for the, we have over 30 people signed up for SMTI and I'm just so proud of all of you because it takes sacrifice, it takes time, a uh, lot of effort on your parts, but God will, God will reward you for your, for your faith and your obedience. But for the rest of you, bow your heads if you would for a moment. And if this, if this, if this message, if this message meant something to you in regards to getting a hard heart of any kind, raise your hand. I just want to see anybody who, thank you. See, yeah, it does. It affects us. It, it affects us. We, people hurt us. We hurt people. It's just the way life is. And that's why, again, Jesus commanded that we love one another because why? He knew we would hurt one another. He knew we would misunderstand one another. He knew that we would make mistakes, that we'd be stupid, do stupid things. Why? Because, uh, because in our human nature, we're very selfish. In our God nature, we can be loving and giving, but then we got this Adamic nature that's very selfish. And so we can hurt each other. It's just, it, it just it's, I, I, I wish it wasn't so, but it is. But if you're, if, you're, if you're just dealing with just, you know, a heart issue, but you, you just want me to pray for you tonight, and you, you're just going to trust God with the situation you're facing, uh, I'm going to pray for you and ask God to minister to you. And your part is to repent. Uh, yeah, but pastor, I didn't do anything wrong. Oh, yeah, we always are guilty of something. Yeah, you're, I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I just talked to a guy the other day. I said, you can win a battle but lose the war. You can butt heads, especially husbands and wives. You can butt heads and butt heads and argue and fight. And in the end, <clears throat> if you don't give in, you know, and, and let, let it go and, 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 and resolve it and get peace, it just, uh, it just keeps getting harder and harder. It gets harder and harder. So if you want me to pray for you, just lift your hands. I'll pray for you tonight. Anybody? Thank you. Yeah, hands all over the place. Thank you, Lord. So you have to protect your heart. The Bible says protect your heart, Proverbs 4. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. It really does. Everything is about the heart. Everything is about the heart. So you don't want hard ground. You want soft, tender, pliable, spiritual ground. So that when God's word is preached, it, it, amen, it takes root and starts to grow. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're, you, you, you're, you love more than you've ever loved before. You're able to forgive. You're able to let go of stuff. Hallelujah. You don't get offended anymore. Pray, and, uh, come on. How many want a kind of life? Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Father, I just pray tonight for these precious sons and daughters of yours. And God, I know every one of us, God. Every one of us face warfare in some areas uh, during this, this uh, journey that we're on, but we're on this journey together. And God, I praise you 
You, pull, you told uh, Timothy, by, Timothy by Paul, you said, fight the good fight of faith. And so tonight we do. And Lord, we roll the cares of our relationships, God, into your hands tonight. We're looking to you, Lord. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. You're able to do what we cannot do. God, our part, we choose to love. We choose to forgive. We choose to let go. Hallelujah. We choose, God, to, to walk in righteousness and holiness and in obedience to your word and to the leadership of, your, leadership of your spirit. So bring healing and wholeness to our hearts. Bring healing and wholeness to our relationships. Bring healing and wholeness to our bodies. Come on, everybody, just begin to thank him. Healing and wholeness, God, to our lives, Father. And God will always be careful to give you the praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, and everyone say amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 930 as well as our midweek service on Wednesday nights at 7. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.